Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm your mom, Linda Weiniger. And today we're reading, well, today or this week we're covering Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and 21. And our teaching tip is let them teach because the family is a safe place to learn. And um, this kind of reminds me of when the boys would give a lesson during COVID or during uh, COVID we also would have testimony meetings and it was just so powerful to hear them share their testimonies but also um, have them learn all the things that like to see how they were learning all the gospel principles and things because of the fact that they were um, teaching and it is such a safe place to learn because we can help them um, if like they have questions we can guide them to the answers or we can um, help them and provide confidence in the things that they're teaching um, and so that, that's like the teaching tip is just let them teach because the family is a safe place to learn and we remember that all our homes are missionary training centers and that it is the best place for children to learn, to testify and teach. And remember that teaching can look different in the home um, and it can look different on different dates. Some days it's gonna look amazing and you're gonna be all like proud of yourself and have proud mom or dad moments. And then later on, or a different time, you'd be like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Remember Elder Bednar said that um, sometimes his family looks like they're just monkeys flying off the walls or something like that. They all just, it was felt more like chaos than actual uh, spiritual experiences. So, so it, we're not alone. And I love that he shared that because I go back to that all the time and remind myself that even an apostle of the Lord can have those kinds of experiences at home with their kids. So, okay. Um, so Matthew 28 and, oh, well, the whole thing is, let's see, we're going to read the Bible dictionary. It's on resurrection. It says this week we get to study what the Bible dictionary calls the center point of hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the most glorious of all messages to mankind. What is this doctrine? The doctrine of the resurrection. Because Jesus died and was resurrected, we can also be resurrected with a celestial exalted body. Okay, so um, the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, provide powerful witnesses of Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith testified that the foundation, the fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and ascended into heaven. And all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. And that's the history of the church, 30, or 330. Okay, so Elder Bruce Armaconkey says, his rising from death on the third day crowned the atonement again. 
in some way incomprehensible to us the effects of his resurrection pass upon all men so that all shall rise from the grave as adam brought death so christ brought life as adam is the father of mortality so christ is the father of immortality end quote that's really good that's again elder bruce armor april 1985 general conference and then another quote by elder Dal president down h oaks says none of this world none of this would be meaningful if we did not have the assurance of universal immortality and the opportunity for eternal life because of the resurrection of our lord and savior jesus christ end quote and that's april 2000 general conference saying uh, titled the assurance the resurrection brings okay so we're gonna start reading matthew 28 1 to 7. in the end of the sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came mary magdalene and the other mary to see the sepulcher okay so from verse 2 to verse 7 there's some joseph smith translations going on so the way that they are outlining it here may or may not match up with the way that they are in the scriptures remember i just read from the redheaded hostess uh study pages so number two or verse two and behold there was a great earthquake for the angel and in the joseph smith translation says there's two angels of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it oh, okay hold on there is a video by nathan pacheco oh it's a song by nathan pacheco and this video has the the scene of these angels moving the stone from the door Oh, it's so cool. Okay, it's called Forever by Nathan Pacheco. So look it up. There's a couple versions, one just of him with his singing and music video, but then there's another one with with Christ showing up. Good job, Mace. You gotta move it. You gotta put him over there. She's trying to play with some eggs. Anyway, okay. So number verse number three. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was as snow. And it meant like their countenance, the, the angels. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angels answered and said unto the woman, unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold he goeth before you into galilee there shall ye see him lo i have told you okay so i love this because this is where the women saw the angel first and saw the empty tomb first and so then they need to go and run and this scene because it says the angels told them to go quickly right so so they were running there's that picture of the two disciples running back to the tomb but i want to see a picture of the women running away from the tomb um ready to go tell 
the, the disciples, what they just saw and heard from the angels. And I wish that I could be that person, one of them running. Because I think that would be so cool to be like depicted in a picture, by the way. But like, because I just would want that picture blown up so big. Because isn't that what all of us are here to do? Tell everyone about Jesus Christ, right? So anyway, that is um, one of my favorite parts. And then um, President Oaks also said, or just kidding, I already read that quote. The President Dieter F. Uchtdorf said, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the most long-awaited and glorious event in the history of the world. It is the day that changed everything. On that day, my life changed, your life changed, the destiny of all God's children changed. End quote. April 2015 General Conference. Okay. So, we're gonna um, keep reading. Oh, um, so Matthew and Mark, they all have kind of what is said here. So this is Mark 16, 1 to 11. It says, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and, and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher of the rising of the sun at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. So this was an angel. And he said, un saith unto them, be not... Okay, so remember, it's two angels. Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they lay him. But go your way, tell the, his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly. See? Quickly. That's why I need two women running in the picture, and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom we had cast seven devil, devils, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believe not. Okay, so it is now the first day of the week. Um, the Jewish Sabbath begins on Sunday and continues from sundown on Friday until nightfall has completely arrived on Saturday evening. The faithful women who had followed Jesus to the tomb when he was taken from the cross did not have time to care for his body before the arrival of the Sabbath. They returned home to observe the Sabbath, and then very early the next morning, they went to the tomb to care for Jesus' body. So early that morning, Matthew described a great earthquake at the tomb as two angels descended in 
Heavenly Majesty, the guards who had been placed at the tomb by the Jewish priests in order to keep Jesus' disciples from stealing the body, feared and became as dead men. The Joseph Smith translation in each of the four gospel accounts clarifies two angels appeared at this sacred event rather than one. The rolled the, they rolled the stone away from the opening and sat upon it. Matthew described the angels as other angels have been described. Their countenance was like lightning and their clothing was white as snow. Okay, and if you might wonder, like, why did one say, why did they say one angel versus the other, versus two angels? Well, if you think about all the things that, the way that the Lord works through Gospels, it's, people always have companions. It's, it, he says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? So he's, so if you doubt that it's two and you just think it's only one, not that it really matters, honestly, but I mean, it doesn't matter to us, right? There was an angel. That's what's important. Now there's two. Sure. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, but if, if that's like a big thing for you, what I'm saying is you can believe it because we, you know, missionaries go two by two. It is by two to three witnesses that we can, um, testify of Christ in that it helps with, um, keeping people honest. And then, he, you know, at a church, it's like two deep leadership, you know, everything. So everything is by twos. And so it makes sense that there would be two angels. Like that just seems normal, right? But somehow they only wrote down that there was one. And so it might matter to you, it might not. Honestly, it doesn't make a difference for me whether there were two or one. I still love Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and hey, it just gives me more, more reason to like think that maybe I could have been one of those angels. Who knows? Maybe. Um, maybe were there two women angels? Two, two, maybe husband and wife angels? Or maybe was it two guys? Were they brothers? Were they apostles? Were they, you know, whatever. Who were those guys? I don't know. Um, it's fun to kind of, kind of guess. But we'll, we won't know for sure until until later and we get to ask, right? Okay. Um, and then we talk about as the faithful group of women were walking toward the tomb, they wondered how they would move the massive stone, right? And they weren't sure, but they were definitely not aware that the stone had been had been moved or that there had been Roman guards placed there. So when they arrived, they found the door open with those two glorious beings sitting on the stone. Ooh, excuse me. Imagine what that moment must have been like and what those women were thinking and how Jesus's body wasn't there. Um, and who are these guys? And why were they so shiny? <laughs> and um, maybe they were angels. Maybe they weren't, you know. And why were the soldiers lying outside looking like they're dead? You know, so all these things, right, might have happened. So um, notice that the women did not merely find an empty tomb. Jesus had risen, but two angels remained, and they gave their witnesses their witness to these women 
also noticed that it was the women who were going to minister to Jesus that became the first to learn of his resurrection. In their act of ministering, they became the first bearers of this mar marvelous message. So think, my Weinegger women, what sacred moments might come into our lives as we minister? What, how could we testify? How could we be the first to testify? We need to be the first at the tomb, you know? It's kind of like, um, and they said it was super early in the morning. Well, I think there's a pattern that we can, that we can learn from there. Two women going early in the morning and being witnesses of Christ and his resurrection and then being told to go and testify. Well, I love scripture study in the morning. It helps me with the rest of my day. And I know there's some people that like scripture study at night. There's absolutely no way I could really do scripture study at night because I don't have the energy after being a mom of three kids, trying to work, and being a wife, like, I just want to, I just want to crash, you know, and I come home, and, or when it's late at night, and so I can't do it then, and so I love that the first thing that these women did in the morning was to go see how Jesus was doing in the tomb, and to go minister to him, and we can learn from their example because I bet their their day was full of sharing about Jesus Christ, about wondering um, where he is, and all those things, just pondering throughout the day, all the glorious blessings and the promises that he had made them. And that is what doing scripture study in the morning helps you do, is it helps you remember him more, right? Because then you have, throughout the day, you can remember him and it helps to start your day off like that so that throughout the day as you need strength you can come unto him and you can minister to others so anyway i love that um so the angels then instructed the women to declare this news and that the disciples would see jesus in galilee it's just beautiful. I just, I love that. Um, so then Luke 4, or Luke 24, 1 to 12 has the same information. However, it says here in Luke 24, verse 8, it says, and they remembered his, his words, meaning like the angel's words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna the Mary, and Mary mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. And they arose, then arose Peter and ran out, ran unto the sepulcher and stopping down, Stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself 
uh, that which was come to pass. Okay, so notice that the angels took time to teach the women because the angels knew what Jesus had taught the disciples. And so he had told them that the Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men. And after the angels reminded these women of this, they remembered his words, consider how your understanding of the resurrection is influenced by Jesus' resurrection and what you know about that. Jesus was first, was the first person upon the earth to be resurrected. So there were no records of, for these women to read, right? They just had to rely on what Jesus was telling them. But if you didn't write what Jesus was telling you, how would you remember so easily, right? Like you have to write these things down. So, and they had heard Jesus speak, but did not comprehend all the meanings of what Jesus was telling them, but they remembered them and were now learning for themselves what Jesus meant. So it's sometimes it's not in class that you're going to learn things, but it's out when you're ministering. When you're ministering, things will come to your remembrance. The Spirit is going to help us. And I think that's what this is, you know, in class, when Jesus was teaching them, they didn't remember stuff, right? It makes sense, but it's not until you're actually going out and doing things that we will learn those lessons that will stay with us for the rest of our lives. Um, so the angels told the disciple or told the women to tell the disciples and it seemed like they didn't believe them, right? Like it seemed like idle tales. So that's what Luke recorded seems like they didn't really believe him. And then John, he recorded the same stuff, right? Um, so, but, but this one, okay, so verse, so John 20, um, one to, we'll just start at one and then I'll, we'll stop where we're, I stop. Okay, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher and then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter okay so John doesn't really even talk about the angels okay then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple <laughs> and came to the sepulcher. So this is Peter and John, because um, I guess John likes to refer himself as to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> um, and then, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. So John, the beloved, uh, ran so fast, um, and he's a faster runner than Peter. There you go. You guys were wondering who would win in a sprint, and that's who it was, John the Beloved. Okay, um, just another note, uh, right here, it, this is, I think this is, these are the scriptures where the two men are running, and the picture of the two men running. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. And so go look the, up those pictures, because they're just so powerful. When you can see these images in your mind,
that's why I think I love the chosen so much because it shows you like in video form, right? They're so captivating how Christ could have been. And so that's why it's so, it's so poignant. Okay. Um, and then let's see. And then basically it's just the rest of the, the same thing. So I just read from one to one to two there. Oh no, just kidding. One to five, one to four. Um, and then here's a, here's a big quote from President James E. Faust. You know how much we love him. Right, Fausty? Okay, perhaps, quote, perhaps the apostles should not be unduly criticized for not believing that Jesus, having been crucified and buried in a tomb, had come back to earth as a glorified being. In all human experience, this had never happened before. This was completely unprecedented. This was a different experience from the raising of Lazarus, or from the raising of Jarius's daughter, the young man of name, or Lazarus. They all died again. Jesus, however, became a resurrected being. He would never die again. So it was that to the apostles, the story of Mary Magdalene and the other women who witnessed the resurrection seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Said President David O. McKay of this experience, the world would never have been stirred by men with such wavering, doubting, despairing minds as the apostles possessed on the day of the crucifixion. What was it that suddenly changed these disciples to confident, fearless, heroic preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It was the revelation that Christ had risen from the grave. It's true. Doesn't that make us all courageous? Sorry, I'll keep going. His quote, his promises had sealed, oh, his promise had been kept, his messi messianic mission fulfilled in the words of an eminent writer, the final and absolute seal of genuineness has been put on all his claims and the in, indeb, indelible stamp of divine authority upon all his teachings. The gloom of death had been banished by the glorious light of the presence of the risen glorified Lord and Savior. On the evidence of these un prejudices, prejudiced, unexpected, incredulous witnesses, faith in the resurrection has its impregnable foundation. Like the apostles of old, this knowledge and belief should transform all of us to be confident, settled, unafraid, and at peace in our own lives as followers of, Jesus, of the divine Christ. It should help us carry all burdens, bear any sorrows, and fully savor all joys and happiness that can be found in this life, end quote. And now you see why we love President James E. Faust so much. The Supernal Gift of the Atonement, October 1988. Wow. Okay. So we know that Mary was not the only woman to come to the tomb that morning. But John mentions only Mary Magdalene. Then John went straight to the moment when she ran and reported about what she had seen. So John was there at the moment. So here, John was recording about an experience he himself had. It makes sense that he was trying to like skip right to his own experience, right? Mary ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple 
which was John Mary reported report shows that she was still not understanding what it meant that Christ was risen. Her report was they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Peter and John ran both together to the sepulcher and John outran Peter. And John looked into the sepulcher and saw the linen clothes lying. So John waited um, for Peter to arrive before going in and looking closer. President Nelson taught seniority is honored among ordained apostles even when entering or leaving a room. Then he added, such, def such deference from a junior to a senior apostle is recorded in the New Testament. Then President Nelson spoke of this instance at the sepulcher. Um, April 1993 General Conference Peter arrived and went into the sepulcher and saw the linen clothes and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in the place by itself then John entered the sepulcher and he saw and believed if this would have been a grave robbery they would have seen a different scene either no linens at all because they were still wrapped around the body or linens scattered about instead they saw the linens placed there and set apart from each other. They saw order, and that was enough for John to believe. And isn't that true? You know, I kind of love that Jesus made his bed. <laughs> like, wherever Jesus goes, he leaves orderly, right? Even at that time, he's like, I'm gonna make my bed, and this is how it's gonna be made. Right? He didn't have a fancy bed to make at that time, but he made it with what was there. And I think that's another example that we can follow of Jesus Christ. Like, go make your bed, okay? Make your bed. When you get up from it, make it. And leave a place better than you found it. Right? So, okay, we're going to pause there. Page 3, John 20, 11 to 18. Okay, um... We're going to read here, uh, verse John 20, verses 11 to 18. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping as she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have take, laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew that, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And 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 this is a that he sends a message to his apostles through Mary, okay? And then verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples and she had seen the Lord, that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And then in Matthew 28, uh, verses 8 to 10, we read, 
that and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word and as they went to tell the disciples behold jesus met them saying all hail and they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him then said jesus unto them be not afraid go tell my brethren that they go into galilee and there shall they see me now when they were going behold some of the watch came unto the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done the roman soldiers guarding the tomb um were the ones that were watching okay and then verse 12 and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel they gave large money unto the soldiers saying say ye his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept and if this come to the governor's ears we will persuade him and secure you so they took the money and did as they were taught and this saying is commonly reported among the jews until this day oh that's sad <sighs> okay and then um okay um Mary was just there because she wanted to know and find where Jesus was. And then what I love is that Jesus then only needed to say one word, which was her name. He just needed to say Mary. And she immediately understood and recognized his voice um, in just hearing her name. She knew it was Jesus in that single moment she learned that not only had his body not been taken but he was alive she then cried rabboni meaning master in the joseph smith translation verse 20 er, of john twenty seventeen explains that jesus did not say touch me not he said hold me not the greek words of the phrase touch me not meaning to detain me not he yet had work to do and he could not stay with her so jesus explained that he had not yet ascended to his father mary was to go and tell the apostles that jesus had declared that i ascend unto my father and your father and to my god and your god what me what a message to take to the apostles that message though simple is full of victory for what he had accomplished and also for his love for his apostles jesus knew his apostles would have been experiencing great amounts of grief what a message of hope to give to them jesus is risen from death to life mary magdalene is lifted from her darkness and despair to light and hope and she gets to share that message with the others elder joseph b worthland explains that the sorrows and joys surrounding the resurrection provide a pattern for our lives i think of how oh quote I think of how dark that Friday was when Christ was lifted on the cross. I think that of all the days since the beginning of his of this world's history, that Friday was the darkest. But the doom of that day did not endure. The despair did not linger because of Sunday. The resurrected Lord bursts the bonds of death. He ascended from the grave and appeared gloriously triumphant as the savior of all mankind each of us will have our own fridays those days when the universe itself seems shattered and the shards of our world lie littered about us in pieces we will 
all we all will experience those broken times when it seems we can never be put together again we will all have our fridays but i testify to you in the name of the one who conquered death sunday will come in the darkness of our sorrow sunday will come no matter our desperation no matter our grief sunday will come in this life or the next sunday will come end quote elder joseph b worthland sunday will come october 2006 uh, general conference I, that must have been like one of his last talks or something um okay i really love this uh, matthew 28 8 to 10 the women went as they had been told and ran to the disciples to bring them word as the women were on their way jesus met them saying all hail which was a greeting this word means to be cheerful which the women are they grasped his feet and worshiped him after this miraculous event the watch guards come to tell the chief priests what had occurred which is not what they wanted to hear. After counseling with the elders, they decided to d to bribe the guards to lie about what happened at the tomb. They were to spread the rumor that disciples of Jesus stole the body of Jesus while they were asleep. This false story poses a major problem for the guards. It is a serious criminal offense for a soldier to fall asleep while on watch. And the priests to promise to smooth things over with the soldiers, superiors, if this story of falling asleep on duty reaches them, how hard it, how hard hearted these priests were rather than respond with faith to the eyewitness report from the soldiers of seeing angels and earthquakes, they resorted to bribery and deceit. The Book of Mormon prophet jo Jacob gives an indication of how wicked these Jewish leaders were by explaining Christ should come among the Jews, among those who are the more wicked part of the world, and they shall crucify him, and there is none other nation on earth that would crucify their God. That's Second Nephi 10.3. And I always uh, say that that's so true because if that were ever to happen in any other world time frame or like I guess not world, but like country or city or state, it would be completely different. And he would have so many followers trying to protect him. Um, okay. Uh, the, the, the story, sorry, I, I kind of skipped over it, but this part where the Lord met them, um, while they were on their way, I, I never knew that. And I think it's so awesome. Like, how can we, uh, skip over that a little bit. I uh, I feel like that picture needs to be made right away. The picture of the two women running to tell the apostles. Um, we could use that. We could do. We could use a picture of that, and then we could also use a picture of. Uh, it's you know how there's the road to Emmaus and where Christ appears to the apostles on the way yeah well i think we need to have one of those with the sisters too with the women um with christ meeting them i i never knew this i don't know why we skip over it um and maybe i've just skipped over it and never noticed but everybody else knows this so anyway it's great to read scriptures and slow down a little bit because then you can read and find things that you've never found before 
and discover things that are there but that you didn't see because yeah there's there's lots of paintings of christ and his disciples on the road to emmaus but there's not and what's funny is i guess the apostles or disciples uh didn't ever realize that it was him that they were talking to i don't know for sure i'd have to look that up um anyways um uh okay we're on page four now luke 24 mark 16 24 13 to 32 here we go then we're reading about whoops messed up my page we're reading about the road to emmaus okay 13 and behold two of them meaning two disciples went that same day to a village called emmaus which was from jerusalem about three score furlongs which means about five to seven miles and they talked together of all these things which had happened and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So this was the resurrected Jesus. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So that means like they were restrained or held back. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Thou art only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of their of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And they, so remember how there were two women um, who went to the sepulchre early and they told the, the disciples, but then the disciples didn't really believe them. Okay, so this is the disciples are giving a report of what just happened to Jesus, even though they didn't know they were talking to Jesus. So then, um, and they were walking. And they, and number 23, and when he found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is Toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat to meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. 
And they said one to another, did, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Okay, that's so crazy. Like, how did they not know it was Jesus the whole time, right? That's how we would think. But I think it's important for us. But I think it's important for us to realize. It's okay. No, she, he's fine. Sometimes we give them a hard time. Like, how did the apostles not know that they were walking with Jesus? But I think it's easy for us to walk with Jesus and not recognize his presence with us. I think that's the whole point. I think that's the point. We need to remember him always. And it's kind of like the, the spirit, you know. A lot of people these days think that they don't feel the spirit. Or I should say a lot of members these days might feel like they don't um, feel the spirit in their lives. But really, it's because of what... Uh, remember... It was Brother Wilcox. He said that it's like everybody's swimming in water. In, and everybody's like a goldfish. A goldfish swimming in water doesn't know that he's swimming in water until he actually gets out. And then he realizes that he needs to go back in the water. Right? And so we are going to feel the spirit. And because we've been promised the comforter, always we're always going to have that spirit with us now sometimes we might not recognize it as strongly as we want but we i mean unless you're doing like real evil stuff you're going to be close to the spirit always and so in order to actually maybe recognize its influence is when you're not doing things that the spirit is telling you to do and then that's when you're going to feel that disconnect or that distance from the lord but really we're always feeling the spirit and we just need to pause and remember that we are feeling the spirit take time to just reflect on hey you know how have i felt the spirit today not because we're not close to the spirit or we've never felt the spirit but because we always are we're swimming in the water, right? We are feeling the spirit all the time. The spirit is abiding with us. Just like when the apostles didn't realize they were walking with Jesus Christ. Um, another thing um, Brother Wilcox said, he said, it's like the AC when you go into your house. In, when you are with AC always, you feel like it's just normal, right? But it's not until your AC breaks or you didn't turn it back on, maybe after people took showers, that you notice that it's off, right? Because then you're feeling that, that heat of not having the AC with you and so, or on. And so instead of thinking that it's not on, just be grateful, right? And show that gratitude to having that spirit with you always. And then you'll recognize that you do have the AC on. Like walk by the AC unit or the little thermometer on a regular basis and it'll remind you that it is on, right? So, and how do we do that? How do we connect with Christ? How do we remember him more while we're feeling the spirit in our lives already, right? And it's those small things that help us remember that we are always walking with Christ so that we don't have 
uh, what it said that our eyes are holding, right? So that we don't have our eyes restrained or held back because we know that we're always walking with Christ. And I like the testimony of, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who it was that shared their testimony yesterday, but they said something about the, along the lines of, we always walk with Christ or that, oh, it was the bishop and how he, um, now I can't remember how he specifically said it, but basically that we walk with Christ and that, oh, because now I remember the story. Okay. So he was at stadium of fire for 4th of July fireworks on Saturday. And he said that the people over the announcements said that the people from chosen who were playing the different parts of chosen were here. And that's because they're currently filming the, one of the seasons of chosen right now. Okay, hold on. And the, and he saw the, the guy who plays Jesus in the episodes and he said, Jesus is with us. That's what Bishop was immediately thinking. Jesus is with us. And then he went on to say that that was like a good reminder to him that Jesus is always with us. And it's just our job to remember him, that he is with us and that that's what he promised, that he would always, uh, that he would never leave us comfortless and that he would always be with us. And so if he's always with us, then we can always remember him, right? Okay, what does he mean? One second. Like, okay, it looks like um, Mark also records a brief snippet of this. It says, after, so 16, verse 12 to 13, after that, he appeared to in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Okay, so they didn't believe them either. There's several videos that you can watch from the church. Jesus is resurrected, then he is risen, then Christ appears to, on the road to Emmaus. Okay, so in the afternoon of that miraculous resurrection Sunday, the two disciples of Jesus walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And the distance was about five to seven miles, and it takes about two hours to walk. Dude, these guys walked for two hours to go to places? You know, and it's no wonder that they were all healthy and and fit. <laughs> okay, um, as they walked, Luke records that they communed together. And there we would be so much to talk about what with the events of the past days. So that's what they were doing, right? And so the crucifixion and then the events surrounding it. While they were pondering and discussing, then Jesus himself came and it says that their eyes were holden meaning that his glory was masked a helpful scripture about the meaning of the word holden is given in the footnotes of verse 16. it is revelation given to emma smith and says murmur not because of the things which thou hast not seen for they are withheld from thee and from the world which is wisdom in me in a time to come end quote dnc 25 verse 4. So the two disciples were confused about who, about how this stranger had not heard of the events surrounding Jesus' child, death, and reported resurrection. And so this was a dangerous time to be a Christian, but these disciples did not mask their beliefs and testimony as they explained who Jesus Christ was. Um, 
And they didn't just tell about him, they testified of who he was and that the women were saying that Jesus was resurrected. Then Jesus gently reproved their inability to see the events they just described as fulfillment of prophecy. The resurrection of Jesus Christ had been taught by the prophets. They should know those prophets, those prophecies and recognize the fulfillment of them happening right before them. So, because these disciples, apostles, they grew up with um, learning scriptures, right? And so that's why they would know of these things. Um, so then he opens the scriptures and talks about uh, at the beginning of Moses and, and all the prophets, um, verse 27. And then Jesus quoted from the Old Testament books written by the prophets. And Jesus could have revealed himself to them as the glorified resurrected Lord, but rather he first pointed to them to the scriptural prophecies regarding his sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection to testify of his resurrection. Prophecy is a, tr is a sure thing. His use of scripture rather than physical evidence emphasizes how he views the scriptures and how he expects us to know them. And I think that's great, you know, that like we have to work for that testimony. Um, and how do you, how, how can you recognize Christ in your life if you don't actually spend time in the scriptures? And so that's another thing that I love right there because Jesus is trying to teach him, like, you're going to be able to see me, right? Because he ends up revealing himself later. But you're going to be able to see me only after you've put in the work, right? And then you'll be able to recognize my presence kind of thing. Um, but you'll always, but I'll be with you. But it's going to take work to be able to recognize that I was there, right? Um, and then it's interesting to note that Jesus was planning to continue to walk past Emmaus. What would have, what would they have missed if they did not ask him to abide with us? Ooh, you know, isn't that interesting? Like you need to ask for what you need of Jesus Christ. Because although he knows what you need, he wants us to want him, right? He wants us to want him because then we are using our agency and not his agency, right? He wants us to want him and to be able to speak up for what we need because he's blessed us with all these things that we have, like our free agency, our mouths, our, you know, um, our hands. He wants us to do those things that will bring us closer to him. And if they didn't ask, he wouldn't have stayed, right? Like, if you don't invite yourself over or invite somebody over, I mean, you could wait for them to invite themselves over, but that's going to be a lot longer week. So that evening, their eyes were open and they saw the Lord pray. And just imagine what it must be like to hear him pray. The phrase did not, our hearts burn within us, indicates that they had felt the influence of the Holy Ghost of the Spirit testified to them as they walked with him. No wonder they wanted Jesus to abide with them. They felt something before they knew why. And I love that. So go look up some pictures of Christ and his disciples on the road to Emmaus because it would be good. Um, this picture that I'm looking at right, now, right here is from Jan Wilden's uh, around 1640 is when that one was painted. So fellow Christian, you know. Okay. Then we're reading now, Appearance to the Ten Apostles. 
Okay, so, um, and then they, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, rose up in the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. They thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, the apostles, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself, handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Dude, this is like the part in um, the, what is it, the, the song, the music, the Lamb of God, that is so, it's so awesome with the music. Okay. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? They were still in disbelief because of their joy. Right? Because sometimes some things are too good to be true. And when things are too good to be true, we know there's something going to happen, right? So you don't want to allow yourself to get too excited. So I get that. But then it says 42, and they came and they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved, behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued or endowed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And he came, and it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Okay. So, this is so exciting for them, you know? We didn't understand things, and now... They were starting to understand things. Okay, uh, Elder James E. Talmadge says, Peter may have doubted that ever again would the master call him servant, but hope must have been engendered through the message from the tomb brought by the woman, brought by the women to the repentant Peter came the Lord, doubtless with forgiveness and loving assurance, end quote. Oh, that's in Jesus the Christ's page. 638. So good. Book. Okay, and then let's see. From Luke's record, we know that the apostles were gathered together in Jerusalem. John's record adds that the disciples were gathered behind locked doors 
because they were afraid of what the Jews might do to them after having killed Jesus. Tradition is that they were in the same upper room in Jerusalem where they partook of the Last Supper. So here they were gathered, locked in a room, likely exhausted over the last few days, now hearing reports that Jesus was resurrected. Then, then came Jesus and stood in the midst of, of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Those were the first words Jesus spoke to his disciples. Oh, peace, right? Peace be unto you. And then President Howard W. Hunter says, Throughout his life and ministry, he spoke of peace. And when he came forth from the tomb and appeared unto his disciples, his first greeting was, Peace be unto you. End quote. And that's from Master of the Tempest is Raging, October 1984, General Conference. I love that song, too. It's true. When I think of Jesus Christ, that's the first thing I think of. Peace and safety and love. Because that's what I always need. <laughs> so these verses describe that Jesus is a res resurrected being of, the, of flesh and bones to well as man's. The apostles witnessed that Jesus had hands and feet, flesh and bones. He also asked for meat. And he, they... <laughs> then ate a broiled fish and honeycomb before them. President Joseph Fielding Smith describes characteristics, characteristics of a resurrected body. He says, quote, After Jesus Christ had laid down his life and had broke, had taken it again on the third day, he presented himself to his disciples and told them to handle him and see, for a spirit had not a body of flesh and bones, as they saw that he had. And so they came and they handled him further to convince them, he partook of the fish and honeycomb. He ate of the in their presence and convinced them by a practical demonstration that it was him, he himself, that he, un, that that he himself, it was he himself that the uneducated uneducated may read and understand, and yet the wise men in all their learning close their eyes against these truths. After the resurrection from the dead, our bodies will be spiritual bodies, but they will be bodies that are tangible bodies that have been purified, but they will nevertheless be bodies of flesh and bones. They will no longer be quickened by blood, but quickened by the spirit, which is eternal, and they shall become immortal and shall never die, end quote. And that's from Doctrines of Salvation, page 285. Okay. So then the Lord taught the apostles the prophecies that the prophets had given him, given of him in the scriptures, okay? Without his atonement, repentance and remission sin of sins could not be preached. But now they were witnesses of these things. So however, they were not to begin their mission to declare repentance to all nations until they were endowed with power, meaning receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So down H. Oates. President Don H. Oaks of the, uh, um, I guess he is of the Corn of the Twelve Apostles, but October 1990 General Conference, he says. However, he cautioned them that their witnessing would be after they had received the Holy Ghost. An eyewitness was not enough. Even the witness and testimony of the original apostles had to be rooted 
in the testimony of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? I never really thought about it. Because the, the real teacher is the Holy Ghost. Okay. Um, so, appearance to Thomas. Okay, verse John 20, 24. But Thomas was one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of his nail of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again his disciples were with, with him, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's all of us. Well, that he's always talking about us, even though we're not there. And it kind of reminds me of when dad does jobs and they want, they have like a conference and there's people that are present, but then there's people that are online. Like you can't see the people online, but there's those awesome speakers who acknowledge the people that are online and try to do their best to make sure that what they're doing is able to be understood in person and online. And this is like Jesus Christ. It's like he's addressing the people that are there, right? But then he's talking about us and that we're going to be blessed because we haven't seen him. And so he's always mindful of us and aware of us. No matter what he's doing. And he's so inclusive. It's just awesome. Um, and many other things truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Oh, I love it. Okay, so there's a quote, or two quotes, but we'll just read the one from the student manual. New Testament Institute student manual. It says, in both Hebrew and Greek, the word spirit also carries the meaning breathe and wind, breath and wind. Explaining Jesus's, or yeah, Jesus breathed on them, which probably means that he laid his hands upon them as he uttered the decree, received the Holy Ghost. Alder McConkie use this experience of the apostles to illustrate that there is a difference between the bestowal of the gift of the Holy Ghost and actually enjoying that gift. They thus received, but did not at that moment actually enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost is the right based on faithfulness to receive the constant companionship of this member of the Godhead. And this gift is conferred by the laying on of hands following baptism. This gift offers certain blessings provided there is full compliance with the law involved. Everyone upon whom the gift is bestowed 
does not in fact enjoy or possess the offered gift. In the case of the apostles, the actual enjoyment of the gift was delayed until the day of Pentecost. Okay, so that's in Acts 2. And then doctrinal New Testament commentary. Okay, chapter 28 of the New Testament Institute, Institute Manual. Okay, so Thomas was one of the ordained apostles, but was not present when the Savior appeared to the others. Thomas was faithful disciple who was courageous during Jesus' ministry when Mary and Martha called Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. There was concern that Jesus would be in danger because he would be right next to Jerusalem and therefore his enemies. Thomas said, let us also go that we may die with him. When Thomas reunited with the others, they reported, we have seen the Lord. Surrounded by witnesses, Thomas refused to believe unless he saw the prince in Jesus' hands them and thrust his hand into his side. After eight days, the resurrected Lord appeared to all 11 apostles. Again, Jesus said, peace be unto you. And Jesus invited Thomas to reach hither. And when Thomas saw, he felt, he said, saw and felt, he said, my Lord and my God. The Lord explained that Thomas believed because he saw, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Then John used this opportunity to explain that this is the very reason he wrote this, his record, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So, something that people say is like, they, like Thomas did not believe, you know, and there's a lot of, and there's a lot of confusion, I would say, around Thomas and like the way he was, um, had to deny Christ three times. Like some people say he was commanded to do it. And some people say that he, that he just did it. Cause you know, either way, it, I don't think it matters. Like, except that he had to do it right. Because he did. And it was um, prophesied. That's what the Lord said was going to happen. Right. And that he was sad that, that he did do it. Right. Regardless of whether it was a commandment to do it or that he did it on his own. It's still sad feeling that he got, right? Because he loved Jesus Christ. And now this one, this experience where the apostles, the other apostles were able to see Jesus and then they told Thomas and then he didn't believe them. Now, I don't know if he really believed or if he didn't really believe, right? But I think, this is totally personal to me, I think it's more of like, he couldn't believe that the Lord appeared to them without him there. I think that's more of like, what happened. Like, I think it was more like, I can't believe you guys saw Jesus, and and I didn't, you know, like, kind of like a, like a what? How did he appear to you guys and not me? Right, because Thomas knew the kind of disciple that he was and he knows the intent of his heart and thought for sure the Lord would have appeared to me first, right? Or like something like that, you know, cause we're all like that. We're all like, oh, we're better than people. Like that's just like our pride takes over, right? And so I think it was more of like a, I can't believe that he appeared to you guys and not me. So it wasn't like a, like he didn't actually believe that Jesus was resurrected. I think it was more of just a shock that he hadn't gotten to see him first. So, but that's just, that's just me. And so there is some confusion a little bit there, but 
then I do love that the Lord took this opportunity to explain that. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed, right? Because he's being mindful of us, like I said before, that are not there. And, okay. Um, oh, and I do love that Thomas said out loud to the disciples, like, hey, I'm not going to believe until I get to have my finger touch his prints and my hand touch his side. And then that was like the first thing that Jesus said. I was like, you can use your finger to touch my handprint and put your hand in my side. And so like, that's just another uh, witness to me that Jesus knows the desires of our hearts and the, and the, the things that we need in order for our faith to grow. Sometimes it's things that we say we need. And sometimes it's things that we, that he knows that we need, but either way he showed here that he was paying attention to what Thomas needed and was able to give that to him to provide that for him. So I think that was cool. Okay. Um, then there's another spot where uh, there's the Jesus appears on the shores of Galilee. Um, and I think it's super awesome. And you need to you guys need to read that, but I'm going to be ending this already because I think that this is super long already. And then there's, um, then there's where Jesus is telling them to feed his sheep and how we need to take the gospel to all the world. And that is the teaching. And so I will read this last quote. Jeffrey R. Holland, I'm going to read this from October 2012 General Conference. He says, After a joyful reunion with the resurrected Jesus, Peter had an exchange with the Savior that I consider the crucial turning point of the apostolic ministry, generally and certainly for Peter personally, moving this great rock of a man to a majestic life of devoted service and leadership. Looking at their battered little boats, their frayed nets, and a stunning pile of 153 fish, Jesus said to his senior apostle, Peter, do you love me more than you love all of this? Peter said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Okay, so this is in John 21, 15, the part that I haven't read, but that it was coming. Anyway, you guys need to read. The Savior responds to that reply, by, but continues to look into the eyes of his disciple and says, again, Peter, do ye love me? Undoubtedly confused a bit, by the repetition of this question, the great fisherman answers a second time, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. The Savior again gives a brief response, but with relentless scrutiny, he asks for the third time, Peter, do you love me? By now, surely Peter is feeling truly uncomfortable. Perhaps there is his heart, the memory of the only, of only a few days earlier, When he had been asked another question three times, and he had answered equally emphatically, but in the negative. Or perhaps he began to wonder if he misunderstood the, master's, the master teacher's question. Or perhaps he was searching in his heart, seeking honest confirmation of the answer he had given so readily, almost automatically. Whatever his feelings, Peter said for the third time, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. To which Jesus responded, and here again I acknowledge my non-scriptural elaboration, perhaps saying something like, 
then Peter, why are you here? Why are you back at this same shore by these same nets having these same the same conversation? Wasn't it obvious then? And isn't it obvious now that if I want fish, I can get fish? And what I need, Peter, are disciples, and I need them forever. I need someone to feed my sheep and save my lambs. I need someone to preach my gospel and defend my faith. I need someone who loves me, truly, truly loves me, and loves what our Father in heaven has commissioned me to do. End quote. That's Jeffrey R. Holland, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, October 2012 General Conference. I remember when he said that because I loved how he was putting scriptures in his own words. And I think that was like the first time that I could understand scriptures a little bit better because an apostle of the Lord put it in simpler English for me. Anyways, I love Jesus Christ. So glad we get to read about his resurrection here. And I hope that you'll take time to read these scriptures and come closer to Christ yourselves and connect with Christ. And thanks for being here. And thanks for being little. Because I'm going to miss you guys being little. And thanks for cleaning the house. It looks nice. I love you. Bye.